Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So today uh, we are going to go into the confusing world of job titles. <laughs> Hooray. Yep. So this week we're going to talk about machine learning engineers, which I bet some of the folks in our audience are, maybe if they don't even totally realize it yet, which seems worth talking about. All right. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Okay, so I remember we've talked about data scientists and data engineers before. Isn't a machine learning engineer the same thing as a data scientist? Not quite. And that's why it's sort of interesting. So okay. a machine learning engineer, in short, is usually described as somewhere between a data scientist and a software engineer. So for folks who've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know, we do a lot of episodes about, not a lot, but we do a fair number of episodes about like software engineering concepts and how those translate into data science. And in an increasing number of organizations, that's being formalized a little bit as an actual role that could be distinct a bit from the data science role. That's interesting. So if you're a data scientist who also has some software engineering background, you might fit into this role. Or if you're a software engineer and you're moving toward data science, maybe you could fit into this role. Does that feel right? Yeah, I think that's right. And it comes from the general idea that if you're working in data science or you have been for a while, especially at a place where the data science is being used in some kind of production, it's not just like answers to questions, but instead you're building models that are parts of systems, mm, then right. yeah, then you're probably familiar with the idea that the machine learning, assuming there's a mach machine learning or statistical modeling, whatever's at the core of that system is a relatively small part of the system as a whole. And it's surrounded by all these other pieces that are much more like software engineering than they are like data science. Right. So yeah, I guess I have a, a bad metaphor but my my brain told me to say it if you have like the brain of a human is like the nugget that makes it all work inside but you've got all of these uh, ancillary systems that without those systems your brain wouldn't be able to function it wouldn't be able to actually reach out into the world and and manipulate matter and communicate and um and even function in the most basic armchair reasoning sense even yeah, that's not the worst. That's not the worst metaphor. I mean, I think that <laughs> thanks. <it's>, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think data science is a job that's gotten it's gotten certainly a lot of attention in the last few years, and there's a lot of uh, glamour and hype that's associated with it. But like I said, there's increasing expectations around data scientists that they're building tools that are used in production that have you know, potentially lots of users, there's other pieces of software that depend on them. Huh. And That's data scientists, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess I was just gonna say it's that it seems like what you're saying is the role of a data scientist, just because of the way that that whole industry is, uh, is evolving to be in more products to be deployed in more, uh, you know, production systems that the, the, I guess the job that a machine, uh, sorry, a job that a data scientist might fulfill is there's actually, it's kind of um, almost bifurcating in a way. You've got people who might be on the very uh, math heavy theoretical 
um, researchy side of things. But then you've got people who are who are also doing some of that stuff, but who are more uh, working on these models holistically within a production environment, and they're responsible a little bit more uh, for that part of it as well. Yeah, and I think there's increasing emphasis towards that second kind, just like you said, because there's now higher and higher expectations of data scientists that are working in these organizations and building these tools, and you expect people to be using them. And but like you sort of pointed out in the dichotomy, uh, you know, the way that a lot of data scientists were trained and hired, especially if you've been in the field for a little bit longer, is maybe coming out of something that was more like a statistician or a physicist, that was my background, an economist. So it's not a foregone conclusion that a person who makes a good data scientist and who can think about how to model a system is necessarily a person who has all of the same software skills that you would need to be running that in production. And so it's worth splitting that role apart potentially in certain organizations so that the people who are in the roles know what's expected of them, so that the people who are working on the teams know what role they're supposed to fill in the team, you know, all of all of the good stuff that happens when jobs are well-defined. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, yeah, I guess also this this kind of speaks to the fact that as um, as areas grow and as the use cases diversify, then you get these specializations that happen. Like uh, that's definitely the case in software, in, in software engineering. That's actually kind of happening with front-end web development, which is uh, what I am. I'm a front-end uh, web developer. And you've got people who are a little bit more on the designy side who are learning things like CSS. And then you've got people who are much more on the JavaScript side who are um, maybe building uh, full apps, web apps, or even for different platforms with things like React and Redux and handling more complicated data flowing, stuff like that. And when I started out, those were kind of both a little both of those areas were a little bit more simplistic and so you, it would be expected that one person would be able to kind of at least dabble in both of them if not even be an expert in both of them but as that field has uh, has matured we've seen this kind of splitting in in this case of bifurcation uh, where you've got maybe half of the people going more towards this stylistic part of it and half the people going more towards the uh, the software development portion uh, portion of it. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. It reminds me of an of article that I read recently. I'll put a link on LinearDigressions.com. It was a, a Forbes article. The title was something like, uh, there will be no data science job titles in by 2029. The idea oh. being... Is yeah, that, that's an <laughs> so, interesting inflammatory headline. But. <laughs> I know it's very clickbaity, but but the thesis is one that's really similar to what you were just saying, and I think it's typical of a lot of these fields um, with with uh, computer science and software engineering being one of them. But there's also analogs in business and other types of fields where the idea is that there's this title called data scientist right now, and the idea is that if you're if you hold that role then you're kind of a a generalist jack of all trades you are the one person at the company who has understood you know studied and understood statistics better than the software engineers and you know more software engineering than the statisticians that's kind of the you know the thing they say about data scientists <laughs> you're but, you're a bridge i guess 
Um, yeah, but that the expectations are are changing in such a way that, uh, you know, people are being nudged towards more specialization. So stuff like if you're a really good programmer, you're and you're a data scientist, you you might be calling yourself a machine learning engineer uh, next year or in five years or something like that. If you're somebody who's a data scientist who's particularly close to the business use case, then maybe part of the value that you add is in taking data science ideas and translating them to the rest of the organization. Maybe there's a title like, I don't know, data science, data science communicator or yeah, you heard something it first, like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, if you're you're a data scientist, yeah, he's working in product management, then maybe you're a data product manager. Um, So Mm. there's, you know, kind of the the pure data scientist, the thesis of the piece, I mean, you can, I'll I'll let our our readers, our listeners, rather be the be the guides here. But, you know, there is no, there is no job title called MBA, for example, you get an MBA, it's a it's a set of skills maybe that you have, but then you go and work in a particular role in the organization that maybe data science is, is going that way too, which is an interesting thing to ponder. Okay, so let's get a little more specific and, and concrete. If, if you had uh, a data scientist and you had a machine learning engineer, that's the title, right? Mm-hmm. If you had them uh, side by side, what are some of the things that you would expect the data scientist to know that maybe the machine learning engineer doesn't necessarily need to know for their job, and then vice versa. What would you expect the machine learning engineer to know that the data scientist wouldn't necessarily need to know for their job? Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. It's I'm a little hard pressed to come up with something that a machine learning engineer doesn't need to know necessarily relative to a data scientist. I Is think it just he, like less depth in in an area? It. It could be, especially around some of the methodologies that you might have to use. So you could imagine perhaps a data scientist who has very deep training and expertise in something like statistics or certain types of, I don't know, maybe uh, machine learning models, but not the kind, like more in a research context, not necessarily mm-hmm. in a production context, right? So those are things that if you're a machine learning engineer, what you're mostly focused on is taking things that work and making sure that they work for the entire organization reliably, at scale, consistently, all this kind of thing. So you have to be a little bit more comfortable around the data and the the machine learning that sits at the core of that than the average software engineer might be. That's why this isn't just a a straightforward software engineering job. Right. But but most of what you're spending your time doing is probably stuff that's ancillary to that. So to answer your question, what are some of the things that if you're a data scientist and you find yourself doing, maybe you're tiptoeing towards machine learning engineering territory, is stuff like uh, reliability engineering. So making sure that when there's systems that can go down, as systems tend to do. Uh, You're thinking about how to monitor for that and bring them back up. So maybe there's a model that you have running in production, but sometimes the servers that are serving up the models can crash. Like Mm. you're responsible for the code that figures that out and gets them up and running again. Possibly Um, also migration just while we're, while we're in that uh, topic. If you're running a model and then you want to deploy a new version of the model, 
how do you do that while uh, while not you know destroying the sessions of the people who might be hitting your service when you're actually deploying it? Totally, yeah. And relatedly, is monitoring. You know, when you have these systems that have lots of complex inputs and outputs, uh, you know, you have to set up infrastructure and code around making sure that that's all running smoothly so that if there's some kind of problem, you catch it. Debugability means that you're writing systems that you can go into and introspect, maybe even as they're running. Uh, and so it's you know, some of the stuff is is fairly pedestrian, but it's but it's really important and it's hard to do right. Like where are your logs getting written and can you access that? And can, can you can you drop in midstream and debug a, a broken component in a complex pipeline? That's so interesting. It, it, it sounds like a lot of the stuff you're talking about is uh, what in other contexts in just normal software development, you might call an infra, uh, an infra engineer or a production engineer. Somebody who is uh, concerned with the actual deployment and the monitoring and the um, failure recovery and the, the introspection of running processes. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I think there's still the expectation for many data science roles that you're also building something that uh, that users can have trust in. So there's probably a higher than average also expectation around stuff like data visualizations, like if you're building some kind of product as a data scientist, you might have input into what the user experience on that is so that the data science is being surfaced in a way that's that's useful to the user. It depends a little bit on the context. But yeah, I think I think your point is a good one that a lot of what data scientists are sometimes being asked to do is to take these big complex systems and figure out how to stick machine learning into crucial parts of them. And so that probably involves a pretty deep understanding of the infrastructure itself and being able to to drop in there without disturbing all of the stuff around it. So I'm curious, it, it seems like the, the job description for data science engineer is not, it's not written out somewhere. Like, machine learning engineer. Oh no! <laughs> when we okay. edit this, we're we're gonna take out like some of the multiple times in this in this episode I, when you call this by st- slightly the wrong name. But it's I find it quite charming. <laughs> okay, you could leave this one in. We've already okay. taken out one, so uh, yeah, this is this is fun. Okay, so um, machine learning engineer, right? Mm-hmm. I got it. Okay, nailed it. Um, there are only three terms. Like, how am I? Okay, so it seems like the the um, responsibilities of a machine learning engineer, the expectations for that role, are not written on some stone tablet somewhere. Like, this this seems to not be something that has been, you know, doled out from on high or something like that. How is this role evolving? Like, are you seeing people talk about this? With the assumption that other people that they're talking that that the other people they're talking to already know what it is, or is this like coming up in in blog posts where people are saying, "Hey, it seems like there's this thing that doesn't really fit this. It doesn't really fit that. We need to like come up with a name for this." Uh, like, how does something like that evolve out of, uh, I guess, a, a loose knit online community with no governing structure? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean the 
easy answer is, are there blog posts? Yes. There's an excellent one that I read and digested thinking about this episode. It's called What is the Machine Learning Engineer Actually Doing? by the author's name is Tomasz Dudek. I think I'm saying that correctly. We'll put a link on lineardigressions.com as always. I think that actually gives a really good outline. So if this is something that is is interesting to you, that's a excellent resource. But I think that there's to answer the broader question of like how do you know that the field is moving around? That is an interesting question and my sense of it is that one of the better ways to do that is to go to conferences and see what people are talking about, see what they're giving talks about. Because very often people go and give talks about, like, here's the problem that we are struggling to solve right now, or that we have solved, and it was really hard, and that we felt like was there wasn't good uh, you know, thought leadership on this before, or something like that. And you can tell from that, you know, maybe where some of the where some of the pain points are, what are the walls that people are hitting, because those are the things they talk about. And it's true, a lot of the conferences I've gone to recently, there's been a lot of coverage about putting machine learning models into production, in monitoring them, in maintaining them. And that implies that there's, there's something besides just building the models themselves or being smart with statistics, that's now expected of data scientists. And the data scientists are looking around at one another uh, you know, trying to figure out how to live up to those expectations. You know, I'll say that this feels like a, a good development for people like me who might be interested in getting into machine learning, but frankly, it seems like the the hurdle to get a machine learning, uh, sorry, to, the hurdle to get a, data, a job as a data science is... Uh, kind of huge unless you already have a good amount of the right math and and um, all of that it's interesting to consider that now as the field has become more mature and you you have these new role title job titles and expectations coming out that someone who's just an engineer might actually have a lot to offer either as a data engineer or as a machine learning engineer i think that's a great point actually there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, you know online comment threads and stuff like that that I was reading, studying up for this episode, and it seems like there's a lot of people who've been fairly successful actually as um, you know becoming software engineers or you know maybe they were software engineers before they thought data science sounded kind of interesting, and they just found ways to get a little bit closer to that type of work at their job, whether it meant working with data scientists if their company had them or being the person who raised their hand when there was some kind of interest in doing a little bit more sophisticated data stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that seems like a, yeah, it's an interesting path that has been pretty successful for some people where uh, it's a move from software engineer a little bit more towards data science and that um, the field in general seems to be finding that really valuable. So if you're one of those people and you're listening to this right now, hats off to you. And I think you, you might be onto something. Awesome. Well, I will let you know if I start my move into data. You should. That'd be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I think you could fake your way through through any oh God. any interview. After, after all of these all of these episodes. Well, I mean, but again, like we've already talked about in this episode, I can't get the language right. That's true. It's, you kind of uh, need to. You kind of need to do it. You know. I think yeah, you need to spend some time just 
getting your hands dirty. But uh, yeah, I I uh, I look forward to seeing what incredible things you have to contribute to the field of machine learning engineering. Oh, please <laughs> don't set the bar that high. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.